the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, today a very special Bay Area guest joins us, a gentleman who has dedicated more than half of his life to full-time church ministry, has been involved in outreach, evangelism, sports ministry, you name it, he's been involved in it all for the glory of the sake of the gospel. Joining me today is Dr. Joseph Bryant, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Calvary Hill Church of the City of San Francisco. And Dr. Bryant, such a privilege to have you spend some time with us today. Well, greetings to you, my brother. It is such a pleasure to be with you, and I appreciate your ministry to all of us over the years. We have been listening to your voice through the airways, and you have truly been the soundtrack of inspiration for us uh, over the years. So I'm honored to be here with you. Well, thank you, Pastor, for the kind words. And, you know, we were visiting here briefly before we came on the air today and uh, mentioning the fact that uh, you've just marked a recent milestone. You have been serving the community of Calvary Hill for more than 26 years now as senior pastor. And ironically, you took over the position as senior pastor when you were just about 25, 26 years now. So you have spent literally half of your life in full-time ministry. But walk us back, if you would, for a moment. Tell us a bit about some of your background growing up. And was this trajectory for full-time ministry something that you knew of at a very early age? Or when exactly did you feel the call of the Holy Spirit on your life to get engaged in full-time ministry? Well, I'm so grateful to God for uh, choosing to use me Uh, in this way. And it really goes back to my childhood. I thank God for wonderful parents uh, who raised me in the church and I grew up in church. And um, my story is a lot different than many uh, who grow up in church and have bad experiences or have moments when they fall away or break away or, or leave the church for a period of time. I was so interested in everything that the church had to offer. I loved the ministry. I loved the preaching. Even as a child, I'd sit on the front row at my church when I was growing up, right next to my dad, who was a deacon. And so uh, I was a junior deacon. I, I served with the deacons. I prayed during devotional. I helped with the offertory period. I, I did a lot of different things. And it was always a part of my DNA. I just wanted to be involved in the work of God and the work of the church. And so uh, at 13, I became minister of music of the church and uh, began to you know get more involved with, with ministry. And at 20, uh, I announced my calling to ministry and became the youth minister at our church uh, where I grew up, Cosmopolitan Baptist Church of San Francisco. And uh, soon thereafter, uh, my life took a, a shift and I uh, was inspired by and touched by much of what was going on in one of our uh, sister churches, Calvary Hill. I had friends that were there and young adults that were there. And it just seemed as though God was uh, leading my heart to make that transition to Calvary Hill 
And when I went to Calvary Hill, uh, it was amazing because I just believed that there was something there for me to do for the glory of God. Did not know that I was going to become the pastor, though, soon thereafter. The senior pastor at the time uh, became ill, and he assigned me to be uh, the person in charge. I was 23 when he told the church, this guy's in charge while I'm away and sick. And so he remained ill for about two and a half years. He subsequently passed away. And uh, right after my 26th birthday, I was installed as pastor. And so I've been blessed and grateful to God for that journey. And I know that um, my path was ordained very early. I used to practice preaching to the kids at, at Children's Church. I used to practice preaching during choir rehearsal while the adults were singing. I'd be in the back with the kids practicing preaching. And so it's always been a part of uh, who I've been. And I just am grateful that God has seen fit to use me in the ways that he has. Clearly, ministry then is very deep in your DNA. And I'm also struck by the fact that education and a love for same appears to be very deep in your DNA. Not to embarrass you, but for the benefit of listeners, uh, you have gone through educational programs at uh, Gateway Theological Seminary, University of California, Santa Cruz, Patton Christian College, St. Thomas Christian University, eventually through the course of all of your studies, um, gaining your, your doctorate. And, and I want to have you perhaps spend a moment talking about that because there seems to be a bit of a debate these days. Number one, higher education, as we know, is outrageously expensive. The president recently putting in for a little bit of debt relief because some of these folks that put in four years in higher college, um, higher education, rather, and then step out with a diploma in one hand and a big IOU bill in the other. And, and some younger people thinking, you know, I just don't know if I want to start life with a $250,000 debt cloud hanging over me and then others that seem to just diseducation and feel as if there's no value to it whatsoever i see people that have these diplomas that are working as baristas how can they be of any value how important do you believe education is for young people particularly those that are looking to not only change their own situation in life but ultimately change the world around them i think education higher education in particular exposes us to so many things and it equips us to be able to utilize the tools within us. I, I, I recall experiencing the things that I, I went through in college and in, in whether I was going to use my degree or not, being in college taught me how to engage with those around me. It taught me how to articulate my thoughts and my ideas. It taught me how to creatively uh, uh, be able to share and promote things that I wanted to see accomplished in the world. It taught me how to think. It taught me how to process. It taught me how to make my own decisions, stand on my own two feet and respectfully be able to still hear the voices of others. And those are some things that are lacking in our society. And I truly believe in the entrepreneurial spirit. And I believe in all the things that can happen in an individual's life as they step out uh, to do great things. But I also believe that having good, solid foundation goes a long way, not everybody's going to be an overnight sensation. Not everybody's going to have the next, you know, Shark Tank idea and become a millionaire overnight. Most people are going to need to have a good foundation, 
that will give them the best opportunity to aspire and to and to move forward and to really elevate their lives and the lives of their family and generations to come. So I'm a huge proponent of education. My mother was an educator. She was a teacher and then a school administrator. I have a teaching credential. I taught school for years. I taught music. I worked in special education. And obviously, I've made it a part of my own path. My wife also has a graduate degree. She has a master's degree in social work. And so that has allowed her to to continue to expand, grow and elevate her stature and her status as she works for the city and county of San Francisco. And both of my children in college and both of them are enjoying the journey of college. All that comes with uh, the reality of being in that world and learning how to think for yourself, learning how to take in information, discern, dissect and then give yourself direction while you respect the ideas of others. I am a big proponent of education. And I think that unfortunately, that debt reality that you alluded to, you know, it's something that we need to address in the in the society at a, at a whole. But I also think that, you know, there's nothing like being able to know that you have sewn into yourself to make yourself the best instrument you can be for your own future. Two important aspects of takeaways from what you just shared. Obviously, first and foremost, having the firm spiritual foundation is critically important for all of us. Whether you're going to seek a career in a two or four year college or university and go on from there, or maybe just decide to go to trade school. I mean, there's there's nothing to be embarrassed of by saying, hey, I went to trade school and now I'm a plumber. I'm an electrician. Right. In fact, right. some plumbers and electricians make pretty good. Just, they just, make just, good money. just and call them. Always be needed. Yeah. We're always going to need water. We're always going to need electricity. So that's again, right. And if, if you wonder how, how well they how well they do, call one to fix your toilet sometime. You'll find, you'll find out quite quickly. And they may not be doing TikTok videos on social media, but they're making good money and they're supporting their family. Exactly so right. You'd rather do so, have a popularity contest online or be able to, to take care of your children. Our conversation today with Dr. Joseph Bryant, senior pastor of Calvary Hill Church of San Francisco. A brief time out back with more right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our conversation today with the senior pastor of Calvary Hill Church of San Francisco, Dr. Joseph Bryant, is with us. Dr. Bryant, let's return now to our conversation. So spiritual foundation, of course, first and foremost, educational foundation. But there's something that you mentioned a moment ago that caught my attention, and I'd like to maybe unpack it a little bit deeper. You, you, You talked about education. And that experience in in engaging with others on the campus it kind of gave you some of the tools and skills to engage others. Um, and I'm wondering your thoughts on that broader topic, because today, and we've seen this all around us, there seems to be less engagement going on and more fighting. And by that, I mean, it seems to be a point of one upmanship. We've certainly most predominantly seen this in the political environment, but certainly even when it comes to spiritual matters, that as opposed to a day and an age when we could come together and agree to disagree or understood the power of compromise across the aisles, whether you're Republican, Democrat, conservative, or liberal, in the end, we said, okay, we come together for the greater good of the common and we try to find some sort of common ground that will unite us today so much of the emphasis seems to be shifting on making our point minimizing somebody else's to if not completely discounting them speaking of of each other in terms of not having differences but speaking of each other in terms of being the enemy 
-hmm. And I just wonder, from a historical standpoint, my goodness, when we've seen this happen in previous cultures throughout the totality of history, be it the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, even the former Soviet Union, the one thing that they had in common was they eventually destroyed themselves from within. Mm -hmm. Is there a danger of us heading in that same direction? Because whether we talk about it politically or spiritually, we seem to be less concerned with engaging with each other and having that common dialogue and reasoning together, as Scripture says, and instead seem to be just all about beating each other up. Great observation, uh, Brother Craig. I think that um, over the past uh, 20 years or so, and really the the consistent evolution of our uh, what has become our cultural norms, we have become so self-indulged that um, it becomes more of a priority for me to prove my point than for me to understand uh, and be respectful about dealing with one another around me. And so e- even though, you know, one of the benefits of college, again, the experience of learning how to articulate my own position while respecting someone else's is critical. It's critical in ministry. It's critical in politics. It's critical in business. If you're going to be effective in anything, at some point, you're going to need to learn how to engage with people that don't absolutely look and sound and believe 1000 percent along the lines that you do. That being said, being able to hold on to spiritual truth while you can respectfully engage others in conversation is a art that we must begin to reclaim or we will uh, fall to the the sword of selfishness and self-indulgence because what begins to happen is people learn how to navigate social media, but they don't know how to socially interact. And and the, the, the danger in that is that social media can become a platform that can be used positively. And I've maximized it over the years, worked with corporations in Silicon Valley, developed numerous programs around the country, utilizing social media. That's part of our ministry. It's part of how we do what we do. But but also we've been able to understand that social media puts a person in a position of assumption of, of personal power and authority where you don't have to listen to others or you can just be combative without being interactive. And I think all those things are going to have to be um, massaged differently so that we can begin to really, you know, get along. I mean, because God put us here to to operate in this world together, to operate from a place of love, to operate from a place of mutual respect. And if God so loves the world, we likewise should love the entire world in which we live, which includes people that don't look like us, sound like us, or even act like us. But we still have to be able to respectfully and lovingly know that these are people that God created. And if we're going to fulfill our God-given purpose, we've got to be able to love them and not beat them. Is this a form in which sometimes people hide? And by that, I mean, for example, for many, many years, I think we've all noticed anytime we get behind the wheel and head down the street to work, to school, to whatever, that some folks get behind the wheel and a personality transformation takes place. And now all of a sudden they get mean, they get angry, they get aggressive, they're honking on the horn. If you met the same person at the grocery store, they might be the same individual who steps aside to let you go through the line because you've only got a half a dozen items compared to their 200. And yet when they get behind the wheel, they can kind of hide behind the steering wheel and allow a lot of their own personal pain and aggression come to the surface and 
demonstrated towards others. And, and I liken that example to what we see oftentimes in social media, where the same people that, again, we might run into in a public arena that might never say a cross word, and yet they get on the Internet, they hide behind that screen, and they allow a lot of their anger and frustration and vitriol to bubble right to the surface. And, of course, they do so in a very public way where these messages of anger are being seen not by one or two people that witness the exchange and the intersection, but rather by tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. And sadly, some folks out there who don't have the discernment that you spoke of earlier That's right, right. see that and think, oh, that must be the way one can behave. That must be acceptable behavior in public. And, and suddenly, all of our engagement with each other is no longer about me making my point, you making yours, and each other trying to understand the other and finding common ground, but instead about how we can tear each other apart, prove our point, and in the process, put you down so that I feel better about myself. Is that what's going on here today, do you think? Martin Luther King quoted several times throughout his life uh, how we can uh, either destroy each other as as fools or build up one another as brothers. And he talked about differences and, and how you know, differences in, in our ideology, our thoughts does not make us uh, people that have to be combative. And that was a part of his whole ideology of nonviolent uh, confrontation and, and different things of that nature, where it was, to your point, even in, from scripture, you know, being able to come together and, and realize that. Uh, there's a bigger picture here. There's a greater good. There's a greater sense of, of purpose and call that goes beyond me. And I think that you're, I love your illustration about getting behind the wheel because that's what happens a lot of times with social media. And then individuals, you know, forget about their other cars on the road that could be damaged that had nothing to do with what's, you know, what your anger is or who you're attacking. And so, you know, therefore, I think we have to, as a body of Christ, and this is something we do in our ministry, we try to be so loving and encouraging and inclusive and 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 have a mindset where we want people to feel loved and we want people to feel validated and we want people to feel a sense of hope and and that's really part of our assignment i believe as the body of christ because you know the the world has its issues and the world has its problems and and some of these things are being exacerbated whether it be because of the pandemic or whether it be because of the political climate or social unrest whatever it is and there's got to be a place where you can still find some hope. There's got to be a place where you can still find some love. There's got to be a place where you can still find a sense of purpose. And that's the assignment of the church. And so for half of my life, as you alluded, you know, we have focused ourselves on being, you know, in, in the words of, of now retired Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback Church, a purpose-driven church. We have tried to ensure that every person realized that God created you in his likeness after his image, and you are special to God. So you are special to us. And I I believe those types of messages uh, still are so critical uh, to us and becoming more critical because, as you said, the, the combative nature of so much around us, the body of Christ needs to let our light shine in such a way that we can, you know, overcome even some of our own hangups and some of our own deficiencies and dysfunctions and be able to project and profess to the world that God loves you and so do we. Our conversation today with Dr. Joseph Bryant, Senior Pastor of Calvary Hill Church of San Francisco. A brief time out, back with more right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our conversation today with the Senior Pastor of Calvary Hill Church of San Francisco, Dr. Joseph Bryant, is with us. Dr. Bryant, let's return to what we were discussing just a moment ago. Now, when this sense of angst takes place, 
outside of the church, we would look at that and say with a spiritual eye, well, this is how the unregenerate behave. This is what happens when man's sin nature is, is reigning uncontrolled, unfettered. But when it happens inside of the church, I have to wonder, how much in your opinion, Dr. Bryant, could this be a direct result of biblical ignorance? And I, and I pose that question because, for example, we see a rise in violence on the streets. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes when we've seen some of these ongoing horrific shootings, mm-hmm. my mind goes to the passage of Scripture, those who live by the sword shall die by the sword. Mm-hmm. And yet... Some believers out there immediately say, well, it's a tragedy and our hopes and prayers are with the victims, but don't touch my Second Amendment rights, mm-hmm. as if somehow we have failed to take note of what Scripture has to stay on that point. Or, or even the notion, earlier you were talking about the importance of engagement and hearing each other, mm-hmm. and I'm reminded that the Apostle Paul said, I'm all thanks to all men that I might win some. That isn't speaking right. to compromise. That's speaking to a sense of, of thinking beyond oneself and trying right. to look at the circumstances right. and the situation another is faced with and trying to, in one degree or another, be relatable. So in the end, right. it's all about glorifying God, That's right. reaching others for Christ, serving Him. But sadly, there seems to be a growing degree in which it's all about glorifying myself and right. me being right. served. So how much right. of that can we right. lay at the feet of perhaps a growing degree of biblical illiteracy or ignorance within the church today, do you think? I, I think that's a great point, uh, that there is a high degree of biblical ignorance and there is a high degree of self-importance indulgence. And so um, whereas people would come to Christ and and uh, humble themselves and say, you know, I, I yield myself, I surrender all. Uh, that's not the way people are approaching their faith or their faith journey. They're, they're approaching it more so as, you know, God being my codependent for, you know, helping me to be what I want to be versus what God wants me to be, not realizing that that God's plans for us are so much greater and so much more precious and powerful. And so I think to your point that 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 over time, biblical, the lack of biblical understanding, it it. it hinders us from having solid foundations and a solid faith that I can trust God to do what God says he's going to do without me having to always be right, always prove my point, always put others down. And even within the body of Christ, um, we, we've got to recognize that we're, you know, Paul talked in the book of Acts, or he was referencing the book of Acts throughout several stories, but throughout those stories in Acts, you always see Paul in the moment. And sometimes when you're in the moment, you've got to recognize the moment doesn't change the message, but it may change the method. And so Paul was a master of that, and he knew how to preach at Morris Hill. He also knew how to preach in prison. And and I think sometimes the the witness that we need to be about is is it's still about Jesus. It's still about his love for us. It's still about him dying for us. It's still about him making the sacrifice and me being the best I can be for his glory actually gives me a better life. And letting that be the witness and doing so because I understand the word, doing so because I'm in a nurturing spiritual environment, a church that is helping me to see that God loves me and he's going to bless me and he's going to do great things through me and being available to that kind of path and not so much, you know, trying to fight constantly to prove my point 
or fight constantly to prove I'm right or fight constantly to tell you that, you know, I can do what I want to do because because, again, biblical uh, ignorance will also have one assume that you don't have to follow biblical truth or that you can recreate your own, you know, you know, I'm living out my truth. Well, that's, you know, you're living out your understanding of of truth, but truth is God. And so his his word is truth. And so everything else about me is about, you know, my truth says that I believe God, I love God, but I just happen to put on a blue sport jacket today. That's fine, because once I got the clarity of my position of who I am in Christ Jesus, then I had the liberty to put on a blue sport jacket today. But I'm not going to fight people over my blue sport jacket. I'm not going to fight people and say that I have to have it my way or I'm out. Because at the end of the day, who I am in Christ is far bigger than much of what people want to fight about. Even if it is something as as sensitive as the Second Amendment, I think that biblical truth helps us to shape how we understand things and how we proceed with things and how we dialogue together. And I just want to just say that's, you know, a part of the mission. You know, our church, Calvary Hill Community Church of San Francisco, we've always believed that everything God puts in our hands in this generation is a part of us reaching this generation. So yes, we're on social media and yes, we live stream and yes, we've, you know, had a website for, for, for a very long time. We were, we were one of the first churches on Facebook. We were one of the first churches doing live stream way before the pandemic. And we realized that's a method for us to utilize, but the message has not changed. And it's a matter of harnessing the tools that God has made to your disposal. I mean, I guess we could argue, well, in the time of Christ in his three and a half years ministry on earth, uh, he, had a limited area of geography that he could physically travel to. He didn't use cars, planes, or trains. Mm-hmm. And then some, in, a, in an extreme uh, misunderstanding of Scripture, might say, well, Christ set the example, so I, I don't dare get on an airplane and go to Mexico to preach the gospel, because after all, Jesus didn't. I mean, we would look at that and say, that is a very oh. short-sighted, myopic, exactly. largely <laughs> ignorant takeaway. Yep. But, it, but it points to a broader point, and I'm so glad that you've brought this up, because to the greatest degree, you know, again, back to that notion of... of reaching everyone for Christ, that sometimes we, I think, try to redefine the battle lines. Scripture tells us that our battles are not against each other, or more specifically put, not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers in high places. And there's a degree to which we see so much energy going into fighting each other that I've got to believe the enemy is sitting somewhere down there looking up at all of this and thinking, that's it, come on, you guys, just just keep it up because this is exactly what I want to see. Let's divide the church. Let's divide from each other. And once divided, it makes his job conquering so much easier. So it's almost as if we're surrendering to the wrong message because we've not identified Satan as the enemy, which Scripture clearly does. Instead, we're trying to define each other because somebody else doesn't look like us, doesn't talk like us, doesn't vote like us. And I'm afraid that if this trend continues, the epitaph on this country may be written much sooner than any of us would think or certainly ever hope or want. Scripture tells us uh, that our focal point, our center, our, our, our concentration must be on him. And, and as soon as I make myself the center of my life and as soon as I make myself the person on the pedestal, I lose all perspective and the, the enemy begins to win. And it's only when I look to him, whether it be, you know, the, the, the word that's given to us, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Well, that's part of the healing process. Or it's, you know, Peter's desire to walk on water because he saw Jesus. And as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he could perform. 
And then when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. <laughs> that principle is, is, is just that is how we have to see ourselves. As long as our focus is him, then everything else aligns ourselves. It's, it's God in my life. It's God as a husband. It's God as a father. It's God as a, as a son. It's God as a worker. It's God as a leader. And, and, and whatever I am, I am because God makes me so. So as, as Paul says in Colossians, you know, whatever you do in word or deed, do all things unto the Lord. So my whole life is about him. And then he gives me the opportunity to live out that life honoring him which is the best life and we have not as a church craig been able to be a strong witness of that and so we we are playing catch up to a large extent we are trying to re you know establish the fact that this is who the lord told us to be and and as you said when we're fighting each other the enemy can sit back and just watch us fight versus us looking to the to the hills from which coming all of our help and trusting in god and and finding our way Back to understanding what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be a part of the church and living out in that type of freedom where we let God fight our battles and we let him guide and direct us. And we even let him carry our burdens. He says, cast my cares on me because I care about you. You know, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. All of that scripture. And so when we can hold fast and if I don't have any scripture in me, I can't have any faith because without the word, there is no faith without, you know, it, and, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So all these things layer against what we're trying to accomplish and, and we have an uphill battle. And so we thank God for your voice. We thank God for stations like this and ministries like this who put out a message like this to give us hope. Dr. Bryan, I want to shift the conversation ever so slightly. You talked earlier about the importance of engagement and utilizing all the tools that while the message remains consistent as it has from day one, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. God should have that none should perish, but that all mm-hmm. experience everlasting life. And that mm-hmm. means by which we have been provided to be reconciled unto the Father and be forgiven of the penalty of sin and death through the work of Christ on the cross. That message, rock solid, never changes. Methodology, though, of how we deliver and communicate that message is constantly changing and evolving based on changing circumstances and all the tools that are available at our disposal. I want you to, if you would, please, Take a moment and talk a bit about an arena that you're very interested in, in terms of not only building leadership, but using it as a platform to engage. And that is the arena of sports. I know that you've been very, very busy in being out there and helping to encourage young sports minded kids and and athletes to, to think about the broader perspective of who they are, not just their success on the court or on the field, but how that ties into success in life and the kind of skills that sports engagement can teach an individual when it comes to teamwork and being humble to a certain degree and and learning what it's like to gain the kind of life skills that can be afforded by learning what it means to be a leader on the court or on the field. That's true. And um, in the 23 plus years that I've been working with athletes, that has been my consistent message is that um, the same traits and characteristics that made you great or made you achieve or accomplish success in your sport should be translated into how you can achieve in life. And so, as you mentioned, teamwork, determination, uh, discipline, 
Um, you know, the fact that as as a member of, of the sports world, you are regimented to do things consistently in order for you to be successful. You are regimented to do things consistently to improve your performance. And, and those kind of things can translate so well. My ministry to athletes um, had a lot to do with the fact that at a very early age, these young men and women are finished with their athletic careers and they have 40, 50, 60 more years to live. And the question becomes, how do I do that successfully? How do I transition? And then how do I succeed? And so those messages of, of how you did what you did on the field, let's see how we can do that now in life. And one of my mottos through, through sports ministry that I provide is winning in sports and winning in life. And it's, it's teaching those principles and translating them so that young athletes are able to uh, utilize those skill sets. And so I work a lot with athletes as they prepare to transition and as after they've transitioned and, you know, whether that be, you know, helping them find their purpose, find, you know, their next career path, their goals, help them build nonprofits, do community engagements, speaking engagements, and even working with, you know, a lot of faith groups around sports, working with a lot of chaplains, working with a lot of entities like Athletes in Action and, and, and Fellowship of Christian Athletes to help support that network from a faith perspective. And, and to know that, you know, having faith in God doesn't make you a lesser athlete. It just gives you the ability to know where your help comes from and allows you to play for a purpose bigger than yourself. And so um, they've called me the player's pastor for years. And, and that's been a, a role that I, I truly am humbled by and appreciate. And I see God continuing to evolve as I minister to, to players and teams and associations and groups and, and their families, uh, all for the glory of God. And to not only help them deal with the, the additional and different kinds of stresses that they experience because of who they are and their visibility right. in the community and, and the kind of pressures that are put on them, but I would imagine, too, helping them harness the the impact of the platform that they have been given because Craig Roberts gets up and speaks and everybody says who uh, but Seth yeah. Curry walks into the room in five minutes <laughs> I'm gonna tell you all the heads are gonna turn and so yeah. it's people like Seth and so many others out there that have been granted a very special platform that if they use it right can not only do tremendous good but also communicate the message of hope of the gospel to others that otherwise might not necessarily listen or pay attention our conversation today with Dr. Joseph Bryant, Senior Pastor of Calvary Hill Church of San Francisco. A brief time out, back with more right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our conversation today with the Senior Pastor of Calvary Hill Church of San Francisco, Dr. Joseph Bryant, is with us. Dr. Bryant, let's return now to our conversation. Every year during the Super Bowl, which is the biggest sporting event in this country by far, um, during Super Bowl week, uh, we have several uh, Christian athletes that spend the week going around to schools and colleges and they speak at uh, businesses and we actually put on programs for them to do just that, to share their testimony, to talk about God, to talk about their faith. Um, and, and it's just an impactful way for them to use, as you say, their platform uh, for the glory of God, because people do want to hear. And any and all of the players that I that I work with and some of which that I manage, you know, in front of their name is former NFL or former NBA. And then that alone, it doesn't matter what comes next. 
Is this the fact that it's former NFL somebody and put their name in, you know, Joe Smith or whatever the name is. And all of a sudden the attention of whoever is coming to listen is much higher. And so I'm grateful. And God has just been so gracious with me that I've been able to work with a lot of uh, young men and women, uh, particularly young men of faith who want to use their platform for the glory of God. They want to create ministry through their platform. I'm working with several that are now doing, you know, faith-based sports camps and training young people, uh, you know, to be confident in their faith as well as their sport. And so it's been a blessing. And so I've spent a lot of time this week planning out, you know, next year's Super Bowl in Phoenix and also our weekend working with the NBA chaplains and the final four uh, in Houston, Texas next year. Where we'll have players come in and share their testimonies. And so that's a lot of, uh, you know, the humbling call that I have. And I'm grateful to be able to fulfill. Now, the folks eavesdropping on our conversation today, they might say, wow, I mean, that church has got a lot going on. And yet I have to tell you, having spent some time at the Calvary Hill Community Church website, which for the benefit of listeners is Calvary Hill SF, just think San Francisco abbreviated, CalvaryHillSF.com. And once you go there, you'll undoubtedly discover, as I did, that as Dr. Bryant is talking about the sports outreach and the Speakers Bureau that he's engaged with, it really is the tip of the iceberg of the ministry that Calvary Hill is engaged with, not only work inside of the church, ministering to the needs of your members, but even work outside of the church in terms of addressing uh, some of the social concerns immediately within the San Francisco area. Just give us, if you would, as as best as you can, Dr. Brian, kind of a thumbnail sketch of the, the broader picture of life at Calvary Hills. Calvary Hill Community Church is a spirit-led, Bible-fed, purpose-driven church that exists to see souls saved and lives changed. That is our purpose. That is our theme. That is our motto. And that's what we believe in. And our social services uh, component uh, provides total life services for total life success. We are in the uh, business, as it were, of touching people's lives for the greater good and for the glory of God. And so we're grateful to God to be able to provide ongoing services day to day. Uh, that administer care to our community. And so whether that be our five-day-a-week after-school program that is in partnership with Good Samaritan Resource uh, Center, it is a bilingual uh, after-school program that has a regular attendance of 50 students per day, and we're able to provide transportation for students from the schools to the church to our youth center to be able to have daily support uh, there every single day, along with healthy snacks. We are a healthy snack provider uh, for the city and county of San Francisco. We have numerous feeding programs that have really expanded through the pandemic. And so we have a senior feeding program that provides meals to seniors. We have a delivery program that that provides meals to those that are shut in. We have a grocery distribution uh, program that we do in partnership with the San Francisco African-American Faith-Based Coalition, where we distribute boxes of groceries every other weekend. And and so we try to fulfill exactly what the Lord has asked of us. He said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. Those things that Jesus was very specific about, uh, the fact that the Bible tells us uh, that the poor will have with us always. So we're cognizant of people struggling economically, even in a uh, economically uh, vibrant city like San Francisco. There's so much economic challenge. And so we're aware of that. And then we're aware that, you know, Jesus says, suffer little children to come unto me. So our ministry to youth and families and to seniors uh, has always been a high priority for us. We have a technology center that we've been, you know, utilizing since 2015. 
and training, you know, young people how to, you know, do coding and apps and and how to do a lot more creative stuff other than just, uh, you know, going online to send out TikTok video games, actually, <laughs> but I will play video games, but actually to do things that will help them get jobs in the future. And then we also train seniors how to use, you know, uh, their their computer to order medicines and talk to their doctors and set appointments. And we, we have a class to even teach seniors how to use their smartphones and download, you know, DoorDash so they can order food or whatever the case may be. So these are the kind of things that God has afforded us uh, the privilege to do. And I must give a lot of credit to uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson and the Rainbow Push Coalition. I've been a part of Rainbow Push for the past 15 years and actually a staff member with Reverend Jackson for the past eight years and he's trusted me to help navigate community engagement through Silicon Valley partnerships and other outreach opportunities. And everything that I've been trusted with through Rainbow Push, I've made it a part of the Calvary Hill ministry. And so we're just grateful to God to be able to serve our community in this way. So much of what you're doing in, in terms of addressing the felt needs is really the broader picture of the gospel. And I know sometimes there may be those and say, wait a minute, we're just supposed to be about, you know, compelling them to come in and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of that is certainly true. But if we're also supposed to be modeling Christ, Mm -hmm. it's always interesting to me to notice that every time he had engagement with the community, whether it was prior to preaching, feeding the 5,000 or bringing sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, there was always a sense that Christ would stop and would address felt needs. That's right. And of course, it was a way of not only demonstrating his power and who he was, but also a way of demonstrating the love that his heavenly father has for each and every one of us. I mean, let's face it. If God is willing to sacrifice his only begotten son because he wanted to walk in relationship with Craig Roberts, with Dr. Mm -hmm. Bryant, then that says to me that God is concerned about all of me. Not only my soul and my future eternal destiny, but every aspect of me. And so why wouldn't we say as a way of of not only demonstrating God's love, but also being able to gain permission to speak truth? Is it difficult to talk to somebody about how much God loves them if they're on the street hurting, hungry, bleeding, and we address none of that, but then try to convince them, but Christ died on the cross and he has a plan for your life? People's ears stop up, I believe, often when that's the that's approach. Right. But Absolutely. if you're willing to look at ministering to the whole man, then we gain that permission, that authority, so to speak, to be able to speak truth into your life. And when you do so, just as we saw Christ model on earth, well, the results are, are, are unparalleled. That's true. And and as as much as we believe that Jesus Christ has a home for us in, in you know eternal life and, and, and a home in heaven, we have a long way to go to get there. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, people are going to live however many decades and generations on this earth. And we, we believe in a kingdom model, you know, and, and part of God's kingdom coming to earth is us as kingdom members being able to effectively use the tools at our disposal. You know, Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do. And so, you know, our great works are, you know, he had to walk everywhere. Well, we can send a van to pick up students from, 
from a school and, and let, let them be in a safe environment. We, you know, we, we want to utilize what God has put in, into us. It's the Moses idea. What's that in your hand? Well, he's given us things like computers and teachers and, you know, all other type of resources where we can help our community. And I think it would be, you know, and there are many ministries out there that, that do such a phenomenal job of preaching and teaching. And, and we're thankful that our Sunday experience, which is every Sunday at 10 a.m., uh, you can come live in person, 141 Industrial Street, or you can see us online at CalvaryHillSF.com. We have a vibrant, exciting worship service every Sunday. We believe in empowering and equipping people throughout the throughout that experience. But we do so so that you can live victoriously all year, all week long. And with that victorious living, we also want to support that by providing any support we can, whether it be computer training, whether that be food, whether that be transportation, whatever it is that we can do to help li- help you live what John 10 tells us is an abundant life. That's what we want to provide. And it's not just every Sunday. It's Monday through Saturday as well. So there's your personal invitation. If you're new to the San Francisco Bay Area, perhaps looking for a church home, we invite you to come and check out Calvary Hill Community Church again at 141 Industrial Street in San Francisco. For information, you can call area code 415-647-5300. That's 415-647-5300. Or easier still, find them on the web at calvaryhillsf.com. That's Calvary Hill SF, think San Francisco, CalvaryHillSF.com. Dr. Joseph Bryant Jr., thank you so much, Pastor, for spending some of your valuable time with us today. It's been a delight, an honor, and a privilege to visit with you. Well, it's been an honor for us to be a part of, of this special uh, experience. And I want to thank uh, Andy Santamaria, and, and who's been a brother beloved for so many years in this industry. He allowed us to have a radio show back in 2010. 2010 uh, with some athletes. He, he opened his heart and his doors for us to be able to provide a platform. Even then, uh, it was called the Shout Out Show. We bring athletes on to talk about the goodness of God. They talk about sports, but they talk about God as well. So thank him. And I thank you, Brother Craig. Again, you have for generations been uh, the soundtrack of inspiration for all of us. And I want to invite all of you that are listening to be a part of uh, the Calvary Hill celebration. We're actually celebrating our 68th church anniversary october 22nd and 23rd on the 22nd we're going to have a a special luncheon uh at 12 noon in our new family life center and then on sunday at 10 a.m we're going to have a celebration service and so many wonderful things that god has done we want to take the time to celebrate and so we invite you to come on out uh just to be a part of that great celebration where we honor god for all he's done so check out the website and plan to come on through uh to see us at calvary hill for our anniversary october 22nd 23rd and again congratulations on that milestone pastor and for more information for our listeners simply go to calvaryhillsf.com Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.